chapter number 22 and verse number 30. I don't know about you, I enjoyed having our uh, having Brother Fox with us last week. What a blessing it was to have him. It's good to have uh, Kim and Bob Roth here today. Praise the Lord. Good to have you folk with us. Uh, enjoyed Brother Fox with us and, and had some great preaching. Ezekiel chapter number 22 and verse number 30, and it says this. Well, you know what? Let's all stand as we give reverence to the Word of God as we read this portion of Scripture together. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30, he says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for... Uh, the wonderful love that you've given to us in, in salvation. Lord, before we knew you, you loved us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us and to give his life a ransom. Thank you for the precious promises of one day that Jesus is coming back, that we're going to be with you forever in heaven, and we have a home in heaven. And Father, thank you for that. Father, right now I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts Lord, convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, as you've said that that is his ministry, and I pray that he would do that this morning. Lord, I pray that he would comfort those who need a special touch. I pray today for Rhea Ross, as she's uh, not feeling well, and Father, pray you just touch her body and raise her up, give her strength. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. I pray that you give me the words that you'd have me to speak. Lord, these lips are easily moved by flesh. Father, I want your spirit to control what's being done here today. God, may we hear from you. We'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Many of us have been in need of a job from time to time and have looked in the want ads, the classified section of the, of the paper, and, and uh, to look for workers. Perhaps there's a need for a truck driver or a or a person who's a computer tech, or a seamstress, or a plumber, or somebody just to haul some trash. And, uh, you know, in that little want ad, or that, that classified area, the need is expressed in that, uh, by a person or a company, and then they, they, they sit back and wait for somebody to respond to that ad. I remember when we were out in California, they were hiring 100 people at this one computer, uh, computer plant, and and they, had, uh, they put it in the one ads, they put it on the internet, and they had uh, lines of people that were coming just to apply for that job. The people were desperate for having a job. In fact, they were saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what they've got, I'll, I'll take anything at this particular point. I mean, they had people with PhDs, they had all sorts of different individuals, they, they were just wanting a job. You know, at other places, though, uh, a person may put up a, an ad for a job and nobody responds. Some people look at the job and perhaps it's a custodial job or, or something along that line and say, well, no, I'm not going to do that type of work. Uh, others might look at it and, and they say, you know, that sounds too hard. I don't want to put forth that type of effort. There's various reasons why people don't want to do a particular job. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22 and verse 30, we find that God has a job which needs filling. A job which still needs to be filled today. The question, as we consider this today, am I the one that the Lord is looking for 
to do the job? Am I the one that the Lord is looking for? I want you to consider as we look at this idea uh, this morning, God is searching for a man among men. First point is God is searching for a man among men. Uh, the nation of Israel had been taken captive by the Babylonians. Uh, there were several reasons why they were taken captive as we look at this portion of Scripture. Uh, first of all, they were unwilling to let the land lay fallow. You say, well, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, God had commanded the children of Israel. He said, I want you to work the land for six years, and in the seventh year, I want you just to let the land lay fallow. I don't want you to plow it up. I don't want you to sow. I want you to just let it rest. And I will give you enough in the sixth year to cover you that seventh year and the eighth year and the ninth year, you'll have the harvest again. Uh, it, I'm going to take care of you. Just trust me. You know what that is called? It's called faith. Faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Our faith does not grow where there are not opportunities to test our faith. You say, Pastor, I want to have strong faith. I want to have a vibrant faith. I want to have a living faith. I was sharing with the Sunday school class this morning, the Jehovah Witness lady called me on the phone. First time that they've ever called me on my cell phone. And uh, she was uh, trying to convert me to be a Jehovah Witness. Uh, she was saying, well, what do you think about the situations of life and how things are going here? What do you think about the future? What's the future going to be? I said, she says, you think it's going to get better? I said, no, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. She says, well, how do you know? I said, because the Bible tells us so. Um, she says, oh, so you're a person of faith. And so I, and she says, uh, do you believe in God? I said, oh, absolutely. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is my, she says, what's your hope? I said, it's based upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that I have him as my personal Savior. I said, I'm an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist, Baptist uh, individual. She says, well, you're a person of faith. I said, oh, absolutely. She says, whatever you think about Matthew 24. He says, do you think you see the signs of all this happening or dealing with Matthew 24? I said, absolutely. He says, you don't see then anything positive? I said, well, there is some positive. If people will just turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's positive that can happen. Amen. And so she was, uh, I said, so what are you? Because she was talking about Jesus. And she said, well, I'm a Jehovah Witness. You may have maybe you've looked at our website. I said, oh yeah, I know your website. You, you have a different Jesus. They believe that Jesus is just one of the gods. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three different gods. I said, see, you, you believe. She says, well, as long as you believe, you have faith. I said, no, no, it's, you can have faith in the wrong thing. You can, be, you can have, be sincere and be sincerely wrong. I said, the only way to get to heaven is believing the Bible, what the Bible says about Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The only way that you can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, there's a place that you're going to go, and it's called hell. Well, I know they don't believe in a literal hell. She says, well, I don't believe in a literal hell. I said, well, that doesn't change the fact. It's still there. The God who created it, it's, he's made that. Uh, for those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a literal place called that. But you don't have to go there. That's why he provided Jesus Christ to be uh, our Savior, to take our place. And uh, so when we think of this idea of faith, you say, well, you hear a lot of people say, well, just have the faith, keep the faith. Faith in what? 
Just keep the faith. I'm, I'm not telling people just keep the faith. No, your faith needs to be in Jesus. Amen. Today, as Christians, we, have, we are to have our faith locked into Jesus Christ. And it does matter where you put your faith. Some people have faith in our government. I think we need to rethink this. I think we need to have faith in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you have your faith in government, no matter who you put up there, Republican or Democrat or Independent, it's not going to matter unless their faith is in God. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. That is the hope of America. Amen. It's not who's in the White House. So we need to get our faith in the right place. As we believe God's promises in the word and, and, and uh, dare to take a step in that direction as he commands us, our strength, our, our, it will strengthen our faith. Sometimes we don't always understand what God says to do. He just tells us to do it, and he expects us to be obedient and to step out in faith. Remember that woman who uh, is found in Matthew 9? Let's go over there for a second. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 20. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 20. Here's a lady who needs, she has a real need in her life. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 20. It says in Matthew 9, 20, it says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him, came behind Jesus, and touched the hem of his garment. For she had said within herself, If I but touch his garment, I, will, I, shall, be, I shall be whole. Now, got a picture here. Jesus is thronged. He's, he's got people all around him. But she had said in her heart, if I just touch the hem of his garment, that's not much faith. I just got to plow through here and get through to that, just to touch the hem of his garment. Pretty small. I think, you know, we can do that. Well, look what he, she said. But it was the faith in action. And it says here, but Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. See, it was faith. Faith. Jesus said if you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed. That's pretty small. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? Pretty small. God, I, I need to be saved. I don't know how this all works. But God, I just put my trust and faith in you. God says, you know what? Those who call unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He'll save you. You don't have to understand all the ins and the outs. We just need to trust by faith. That, that word faith, in the Greek, it's the idea of conviction of the truth, belief, or trust. That's what faith is. Having a conviction or belief and trust. How strong are your convictions today? Some have a belief in Jesus, but they have no convictions about him. They have a belief. If you say, well, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But they have no convictions. There's no confidence and the trust in what Jesus says. Stephen uh, Grellet was impressed by the Holy Spirit to leave London and come to uh, America and, and to preach to a lumber camp. When he went to the lumber camp, he had heard that there was a, a camp that was up here, and he went to preach to them, but the men had moved farther into the forest, but he believed that God had called him to preach there. He went into the, 
the meeting hall, the, the place where they would eat, the, this, this place, and he went in. It was empty. There was nobody there. There was no one there. But he felt led of God to preach anyway. So he got up and he preached the message that he needed, that God laid on his heart to preach. So he preached like there were people in that, that, uh, that auditorium, that, that room. He went on about his business and went back to, eventually went back to London. He was in London in a gloomy evening on the London Bridge. A man stopped him. And he looked at him and he says, you're the man that I've been looking for for years. Mr. Grellett looked at him and he says, Sir, I don't know who you are. I've never seen you before. You sure you haven't mixed me up with someone else? The man said, no, no, no. You're the one who came to preach in America to a lumber camp several, several years ago. He said, didn't you come to preach? He says, yeah, I did. He says, all the men had gone further into the camp, into the woods, but we left a saw, and they sent me back to that lumber camp to find out, or to get the saw and bring it up there to us. He said, I knew that there was nobody there, but he said, when I heard somebody standing up and preaching, he says, I got curious, so I came and I was just standing outside. I was listening to what you were saying. He says, I got under conviction. He said, then, you know what, you know what I did? He says, I felt that I needed to, 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 to receive God. I didn't know. He said, I got a Bible, and I learned how to get saved, and I asked Jesus to be my Savior, and I've been going out and telling others about Jesus since I got saved. You know, can I share with you that Mr. Grella thought, well, it's useless to preach to an empty room. I wonder how his faith was encouraged as he heard about this man who got saved and was sharing that with others. You know, Israel couldn't see how God would take care of their needs if they let the land lay fallow for that year. They didn't trust him by faith. They wanted to see it. Well, that's not how Christianity, that's not how the Christian life works. God commands, he expects obedience, and then he will bless. We want blessings and then we'll obey. It's not how it works. Follow me and I will make you to be fishers of men. They had to determine that they were going to follow and be obedient to the Lord and that he would make them to be fishers of men. They didn't even know what that meant. But they knew that he was the Christ. They knew that he was the one they needed to follow and they followed him and, and the Lord did exactly what he said. You know, the children of Israel, they couldn't understand that. There's a lot of people today when we're talking about faith, as I said a moment ago, Oh, just have the faith, brother. Just have the faith. It's not just having the faith, whatever that means. Where is your faith this morning? Is it in the Lord Jesus Christ? My faith has found a resting place not in device or creed. It is in the living one. The one who died for me, folks. May I share with you? That's where my faith is today. It's not a blind faith. It's faith based upon the word of God. Talking about a God who loved me and a Savior who died in my, in my uh, place. What about you? Where's your faith today? Children of Israel, they wouldn't let that land lay fallow. God was merciful to them. For 490 years, they went through that. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't let that land, 
lay fallow that seventh year. So God said, you know what, I'm going to take that time that should have been fallow, I'm going to take it and lead you, take you off into captivity, and for 70 years you're going to be in captivity. Disobedience to the Lord. Not only did the children of Israel do that, but they also had chosen to worship other gods. For example, they had worshipped Baal, the sun god. He was supposed to give them light and warmth. And when things, uh, when he was angry, he would give fierce heats in the summer and they'd burn up the crops. And so to appease Baal, what they would do is they would have human sacrifices and usually it was the firstborn that they would bring and they'd offer and sacrifice to Baal. You say, Pastor, how horrible is that? Can I share it with you? We have a similar thing in, that Amer in America today. We've done the same thing in our selfishness and self-willed, and you know what, I don't want to have to deal with my children, so when, we find, when young ladies find that they're pregnant, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and I'm going to offer them on the altar of abortion. Well, pastor, don't you understand there's certain circumstances. Can I tell you what the Bible says about that? God calls that murder. We're no, no different than Israel was in that regard. I mean, I share with you, if you read the scriptures, you understand that God says that that shedding of blood of innocence is, defiles the land. Our land is defiled. And God, I heard a person say, well, you know what, if God was a loving God, when I was out uh, the other day and I was talking with somebody, he said, well, I don't believe a loving God would, would uh, send anybody to hell. I don't believe that God would allow uh, those horrible things. You know what, the reason why we have suffering, the reason why we have pain, the reason why we have all these things is because we are sinners. For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When man chose to go away from God and go his own way, it brought with it the consequences of that sin. You read through Genesis, it's exactly what happened. Women would have pain in childbearing. Men had that the ground was cursed because of, the, because of man's uh, willfulness to turn away from God and disobey God, and so the ground was cursed, and you're going you're to have that toil and sweat and the difficulties of life because of sin. And because we have a holy God, a holy God is also a just God, and he judges sin. It's one of his attributes. This person said, well, you know what? God is love. I said, yes, he's love, but he's also just. He's holy. And he cannot look on sin. He must judge sin. These people, they, the children of Israel, they worshiped the sun god. They worshiped Ashtaroth, the god of fertility, the god which is identified with the planet Venus. We hear a lot of people today in the psychology world say, oh, you're, the ladies are from Venus and the guys are from Mars or whatever that, that stuff is all about. You say, well, pastor, shouldn't we read those books? No. Why? We need to read this book. We're so caught up in the world and what the world has to say. We need to get back to what the Bible says and follow biblical principles. You want your home restored? You want to have a good relationship as a husband and wife? Get into the Word of God and follow those principles and you will find God's blessing. Israel had refused to listen to God and to His prophets. As we come to this portion of Scripture, they, they were taken off into captivity, but God had a job for somebody to do. God had a need. In verse 30, it says, And I sought for a man among them, among the people, that should make up a hedge and stand in the gap 
before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I sought for a man among them. God was searching for a man among the people. God was looking from among the people of Israel, a man who knew God. I'm not saying no about God. One who knew God. There's a difference about knowing God and knowing about God. If I were to ask you today, do you know God? Oh, I know that, you know, that God is, is the creator and I know that there's you know, one who's put all these things together and, and, and kind of holds all things together. Can I tell you something? There's a difference between having a personal relationship with God and knowing about God. A God who speaks to you every day. A God who guides you. A God who loves you. A God who you commune with. You know, some of you say, Pastor, I don't even understand what you're talking about. I'm telling you, the God who created you, who gives you life and breath, there is a God who cares about you. A God who has a plan for your life. A God who cares about where you're going to spend eternity. Well, Pastor, I don't believe about heaven and hell. I just... You know, I believe that your heaven and hell are here on earth, and that's it. Well, that's your choice to believe that, but the God who created all this and who holds all this and makes that sun to come up and go down, who's in control of all that, says, you know what? There is appointed a day when you're going to breathe your last breath. It's appointed a man who wants to die, and after this, the judgment. For those who know Jesus, once I die, to be absent from the body is to be present with my Lord. Amen. For as a Christian, we have a lot of hope. That's why I'm ready to go. You say, well, Pastor, don't you like homes and all that? You know, all I see in homes, it's a lot of work. <laughs> We're getting, getting the water. So now guess what's going to happen? The grass is going to come up. Guess what happens when the grass comes up? You have to mow it. It's nice when there's snow on it. You don't have to mow it. It's just frozen. When that grass comes up, then you have to go and you have to mow that lawn, keep it down. Otherwise, you might as well just get a goat or some sheep or something in there and let them take care of it. It'd be kind of hard to do that, but for us out there where we are. But, um, you know, there's work that has to be done. May I share with you, when we get in heaven, God's already got the mansion prepared for us. Amen. He's got work for us to do, though. Well, I thought I'd just sit, on, sit up there and just strum my harp and, and, and play around up there. You're not going to play around up there like you've been doing down here. You're going to be with the Lord, and you get to serve him day and night, and there will be no restraint. You won't get tired. Oh, I like that one. You get to serve the Lord, sit at his feet, listen to him. Whatever it is, Lord, you want me to do. God is looking for people who know God, who have a personal, intimate. He was looking for that. The man who would be willing to do God's will and to, at this critical time. He said, I'm looking for a man among them who will do a job that I need to have done. May I share with you that God's looking for a man or a woman, a young person today, who will do his work in this critical hour. Folks, we are in a critical time in America. I don't know if you realize it or not. I was in Super 1 this morning as I was uh, there and spent in, in getting my cup of coffee and having my devotions and stuff, not in Super 1, but outside. I was thinking, you know what? People have been saying, we want to be like Europe, and we want to be... Yeah, we're going to be like those third world nations. As you look on the shelves, there's nothing there. That's exactly where we're headed as a nation. We've asked for it. We're getting what, we're, what we've been asking for. 
You know, one of the things about being in America, it was nice to be able to go in and see the shelves all filled, right? Have choices. I'm glad I'm an American. I don't want to be like Europe. You know, Pastor, I think we should be more like Europe. But then go to Europe. <laughs> go. Go. Have fun. Be in the long lines. Let the government tell you who they're going to take care of medically. Why do people come to America to get a lot of their medical needs met? It's because we have one of the highest standards in the world. But you know what? This is crumbling very quickly around us. Folks, we need men and women, boys and girls, that are willing to stand in this critical hour. God was searching for a man who was willing to work. Not only was he looking for a man among men, he was looking for a man who was willing to, to work. Go back to that portion where we were just a moment ago. Chapter 22, verse 30, he says, And I sought, he sought for a man. He was desiring, he was requesting, he was looking for a man among them that should make up the hedge. To make up the hedge. You say, well, Pastor, what's a hedge? It's a fence or a wall. To make up the wall. When I was in my teens, I went to the Northern California Bible Institute. Went there for a year. And while I was there, uh, my parents wanted to build a split rail fence around our property. And uh, so I said, you know, I wanted to buy a car. And so they said, well, we'll make you a deal. We'll make you a deal. You work, put this split rail fence in around our property, and we'll give you X amount of dollars so you can buy a car. Can I tell you something, parents? It's good for your children to work to have a car. Well, Pastor, you know, don't you understand who I am? I deserve a car. I'm a teenager. Yep. And you need to learn how to work. So I said, you know, I looked at the project and I said this, I'll have it done in two days. So I went down, you know, you got to have the equipment in order to do the job. So I went down and, and uh, a friend, uh, I got a friend to come and help me and, and uh, we got this two-man auger and we went and we started working in these holes. It was just like Montana. I'm telling you, I mean, this guy, he was, Brother Randy, he was, he, this guy weighed about 300 pounds, and he was about 6'2", and I was on the other end, I was only 150 pounds, and at the time, 155, and I'm, I'm bouncing around all over the place, and he's just kind of, but we're hitting rock. It was just like Montana, no joke. And what was going to, I thought would be two, about two days getting all this done, it took us two weeks. I said, that's crazy. And we got the job done, praise the Lord. But then when I got that job done, my dad says, well, you know, you need money to go to be able to go to, to the Bible Institute. I said, yeah, that's right. I, I, we, we need to have, we got another job for you. My dad and my mom believed in hard work. You know how hard work some of the young people are? They, you say, okay, now let's, let's move this microphone from here over to here. And so, okay. Now, this is what I want you to move it from here to here. I think I can do this. This is what happens to young people today. This is what I find. Boy, look at the sun. 
And if somebody is not sitting on top of you and doing, making sure you do it, your job doesn't get done. And mom and dad says, well, you know what? They're just young. They can't do it. So mom, dad, I'll do it for them. Can I tell you something? You're doing a great disservice to your kids. You know what you're raising? You're raising a bunch of lazy kids. And you know who's hurting? Is going to hurt on this? Oh, you're going to be old and you're going to die off. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be those kids. You say, Pastor, you think so? I know so. See it all around. I was down here at Super One and there was a lady down there. This was a lady. This guy, there was nobody there but me. I went up to this and then there was actually, there was somebody come behind me. No, they were in front of me, actually. And they had bought some stuff in the hot bar. They, you know, they just needed it weighed so they could pay for it. This lady came up, and she was waiting on, I just wanted a cup of coffee. That's all I wanted. She was getting the cup of coffee for me, and she told these guys, now her job was to weigh that stuff and, and pay for it, you get it so they can pay for it. She says, you know what, guys? You know, you can go out in front, and they'll weigh, they'll, they'll weigh that for you. You don't have to wait in line here. And I'm thinking... I mean, there's nobody here. We are in a day when people don't want to help people. Man, I remember when I worked in my, my parents' Christian bookstore, one of the things that they taught me, hey, when the customers come in, you get stop whatever you're doing and go help the customers. I don't care if you're, if you're, you're stocking the shelves or whatever and you got stuff. You stop what you're doing and go help the customers. Customers come first. Today, it's like, Oh, you're there? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just going to keep on doing my stuff. I say, hey, woo, come help me. You say, Pastor, what's the problem? We've lost the basic principles that our nation was founded upon. What's the, what's, what do we need to do? Get back. You say, well, it's, it doesn't go beyond my home. Teach your children. I guarantee you, you do, and you won't have any problem with finding a job. But I'll tell you what, if you're sitting down and you don't want to work, you can be ones that have joined the line, because there'll be a line, I guarantee it. And people say, well, the government will take care of me. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> We're headed for a crash, folks. Our nation's headed for a crash. You cannot keep giving out money and having nothing to back it up and just keep printing it like our nation's doing it. We're headed for depression. And when these people have no food, unless they get out and they'll find that they will be willing to do just about anything to get some food, some money to buy some food. That's where we're headed, folks. You say, Pastor, you're not painting a very pretty picture. Hey, that's exactly the picture that these people were dealing with here in Ezekiel's day. He's looking for men among the people he was looking for men who were willing to make a hedge, to make up that, 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 uh, that wall. As I was sharing with you, my folks had me make that split rail fence, and then my dad says, you know what, I want to build a retaining wall along the creek that's right by our house, and we want to build this retaining wall. So he, I said, okay, that's not a problem thing. But what I had to do, the, the, the area from the creek to the up on top, was about six feet or so, eight feet, and you had to go down and get the rock out of the creek, go up behind it. My dad built this, this uh, 
retaining wall form, and you had to pour dirt in it. Go up and dump it. Go down, shovel it. Go up. You say, oh, that's easy, Pastor. I can do it. Some of you junior high, Jacob, you know. I can do that, your man. I'm just like this. And I said, yeah, it took me all summer. I was dead at the end of the summer getting ready to go into the Bible Institute. But you know what? My parents believed in work. They were good parents because they taught me that. May I share with you one thing I learned about my, from my parents is the fact that hard work is good for us. Guess what I taught my kids? Hard work is good. They're hard workers. Ecclesiastes 9.10, it says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. Hey, give your heart, give your life to whatever it is. You ought to give it your best for God. You know, God is looking for someone who is willing to work and to build the hedge, a fence, a wall for him. You know, what's the purpose? You say, Pastor, what's the purpose of the wall? Let me give you a couple of them. Number one is to keep out that which would damage or destroy that which is within. The China Wall was built. In fact, you can see aerial um, photography up in space. You can see the, the Great Wall of China. The thinking was, we're going to build this Great Wall and people are going to have a hard time conquering us because they have to go through the wall in order to get in and conquer us. Second is to keep that which is inside safe. Not only enemy from without, but those people would have a sense of safety, feel of safety within because the walls were built. To build a wall would take time. It would be tiring at, at times, but it would be worth it when it was accomplished. You know what, may I share with you today? You say, what's the application? God is looking for a man, a woman, a young person who will be willing to work for the Lord and to build some walls, to build walls of truth in their own life and in the life of others. Lives of truth. To build walls of love for God. You know, we ought to have a wall of love for God. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? God, I love you, and there's nothing that's going to penetrate that wall and sever me from your love and my love for you. You know, there's a lot of things in this world that would like to rob you of your love for God. I know that the Bible says, what shall separate us from the love of God? His love for us. Think, things present, things to come, height, depth, you know, none of those things are going to separate us in God's mind with regard to us. But you know what? It doesn't take much to have us to be separated in our love for him. Oh, you know, Aunt Bessie comes over. Well, you know, I can't, I can't do, I can't go to God's house. I can't read my Bible because Aunt Bessie's here. Can I tell you something? Let me just tell you something. You've let someone or something separate you from, the, from your love for God. How do we build these walls? Having a conviction, a wall of conviction to stand upon God's word. We, God's word will stand. How can we have that conviction in our life? How, what, how do we do to build those lives? First of all, by putting Jesus first in our life. Colossians 1.18, that in all things he, Jesus, might have the preeminence first place. Here people say, well, I love Jesus. Boy, we're just, we're so close. Really? If you love Jesus, you'll be like Jesus then, right? 
Because Jesus said, I do always the things that please him, the Father. Let me ask you, as you evaluate your life, are you doing what Jesus has commanded you to do in the Word of God? Well, kind of not, really. May I share with you? Then the bottom line is, you really don't love him. Him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We have Christians that have no, have, they, they don't have that love demonstrated in their life because it's, it's, they're going a different direction. We need to put Christ first in our personal life. We need to put Christ first in our home. Things in the home that would glorify Jesus and not bring him shame. Put Christ first in the church. Give him first place at church. Don't be thinking about what you're going to be doing after church. That's where some, some folk are. I've had people come up and say, Pastor, they, they, they do this. Like, Pastor, can I tell you something? I'm just ornery enough that when you start doing that, I'm just going to preach longer. You then I'll never come back. Your heart's not here anyway. Your heart is someplace else. Hey, when we come to church, we come to hear from God. We want God to speak to us. We want God to, to say something that's going to help me and to encourage me and help me in my Christian walk. And that this week, some things are going to come up. God's got some things in his word that will help you to get through those things. Take your watch and turn it, throw it aside. Had some people, mine's got one of these uh, um, alarm clocks on it. It beeps on the hour if you want it to. Some of them have it set at 12 o'clock. Beep, 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 beep. Say, well, pastor, what do you think? <laughs> beep, beep, let it go. Beep, beep. I tell you something, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? This is only a preparatory for there. I don't know about you. When Brother Fox was preaching, I just wanted him to keep on going. Amen. I just, it, it was just way too fast. He should have slowed it down, even though he was speaking fast and giving us a lot of info. Hey, we need to get on the same plane and same page as the Lord. You know, how do we build strong walls? By building a strong prayer life. D.L. Moody once said, spread out your petition before God and then say, thy will not mine be done. The sweetest lesson that I have learned in God's school is to let the Lord choose for me. Martin Luther said this, pray hardest when it's hardest to pray. Good point. When it's hard to pray, a lot of times you say, well, I just don't feel like praying. That's when you need to pray the hardest. J.A. Wallace said, prayer moves the hand which moves the world. People say, well, you know what? Prayer really doesn't change, doesn't move God. What Bible are you reading? This People today have got such a weak understanding of the scriptures and you hear it on television and you hear these people, these so-called preachers stand up, well, it doesn't really move the hand of God. God knows what you need anyway and, and it really doesn't move the hand of God. Have you read when Moses prayed for the children of Israel that God would not destroy them and he destroyed them not? Do you, you look at these different portions of Scripture when God, uh, God listened to the prayer of Elijah when he said, Lord, it's time, uh, 
please send down fire on this sacrifice. And fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. Don't tell me that God doesn't hear prayer today. He does. The effectual fervent prayer, notice, of a righteous man availeth much. You can't walk in sin and then just say, Lord, now bless me and answer my prayers. God says, if I re re in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. God won't. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint in Luke 18, 1. We will only be as strong as our prayer life. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need to put Jesus first in our life. We need to have a strong prayer life. We need to study and meditate upon the word of God. 2 Timothy 2, 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Folks, we need to study this book. We got Christians today that have no clue. There's a famine in the land today. It's not a food. Yeah, there's some people that are starving, but can I tell you something? There's a famine of people knowing the Word of God. And you know, we look around and say, well, you know what that is? The problem is it's the preachers. The preachers haven't been doing it. Can I tell you something? You have an individual responsibility given you by God to get in this book and study. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. And can I, I'm just going to put another caveat in here because I hear a lot of people say this to me. Pastor, well, you know, um, I don't come to church because, but I have my time in God's word, and that's good enough. No, it's not. You're disobedient. You say, but I, I study the word of God. That's wonderful. But God has commanded you. He's given you another commandment, not only to study, but to be in the house of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. That's what we're supposed to do. But in Romans or Hebrews 10, 25, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, and so much the more so as you see the day approaching. We're to be in the house of God more than ever. It's interesting to me, even here in Stevensville, how many churches don't have Wednesday night service? No, no, you have a PM service. You know why? People don't want to come to church. Can I tell you something? I don't know about all the preachers in Stevensville. But I do know one thing. I know this to be true. It's our responsibility to obey our God. And God will hold us accountable of those things one day. I don't know what you do, but I'm, a, I'm supposed to do what God commands for me to do. We're to study, we're to meditate upon the word of God. It requires work to build the right type of walls in our life, in our home, and in our church. And this church is not going to be built because we wish it happens. It requires labor to fulfill God's plan and promises. God was looking for a man to build a hedge, a wall for him. You know, third thing we see, and that's this. God was seeking for a man who was willing to stand for him. Go back to that portion here, and it says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up a hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. God was searching for a man to stand for him. The stand in the gap gives the indication of a wall which has a, a breach in the, in the wall, a space in the wall, if you would. There was a wall that had been broken in a place. This one whom God was looking for would stand in this critical place and, and keep out the enemy. 
This one would make a difference in stopping the enemy from advancing and destroying or taking captive those that were within. But as I read this, it's interesting to note, if you look at this, and I hadn't really noticed this before, because it, in thinking of it before, it was kind of like, okay, there's an enemy out there, and the person stands in the gap, and we're going to keep the enemy out. But the Lord showed me something rather interesting. Notice who is the one who is looking to come through the gap. Notice what it says. Sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before, notice, before me. Before me, the Lord, for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. You know who's, who he's talking about here? He says, I'm looking for somebody who's willing to stand and plead for the people of Israel because I'm looking to come in and to destroy because of all the wickedness and all the evil and all the worldliness that's come in. I'm looking for one who would say, God, please be merciful. God, please, don't, don't judge them. Show your mercy. God, I'll stand. I will pray like Moses prayed. There's a world of difference. Why would God want to come in and, and pour out his wrath and, uh, upon the, the children of Israel? They were his chosen people because they had become worldly. If you look at the very next verse, look what it says. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. There was nobody who was willing to pray for God to intercede and stop. There was nobody who was willing to work and labor that the people would not come under the judgment of God. Turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, we see James talking. He's talking to believers here. He's not talking to unsaved. He's talking to believers. James chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Hey, there's fightings in the church. There was fightings in the home. There was fightings that were going on in the community. Hey, from whence come these wars and fightings? Hey, Today we can look at this very clearly and see we've got fighting with Putin. And where does all this come from? Well, he tells you here. Come they not hence even of your lusts, your desires and your passions that war in your members? Hey, we want to have. Look what he says. Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and ye war and yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Oh, these people were asking, you know what, God, I want a new car, I want this new house, I want this new stuff. Would you, like, would you live for me? No, I don't have time for that because I've got all this other stuff that I want. And God says, you have not because you ask not. When you do ask, you're asking for your own righteousness, your own glory. Hey, what about me? We're not our own, folks. We're bought with a price, therefore glorify God and our body and our spirit, which are God's. We have forgotten all about that in Christianity today. 
Notice what he goes on to say. Verse 4, ye, are, ye adulterers and adulteresses. An adulterer is kind of a strong statement. These people, they belong to the Lord. It's kind of like a husband and wife when they make that choice and they say, you know what, I'm going to be married to you. Well, what was happening was this. When he's saying you're an adulterer and adulteresses, you belong to me, but instead of being hooked to me, you're hooked to the world. You're an adulterer and adulterer, spiritually speaking. And he goes on to explain. Know you not that friendship of the world is enmity or a hatred with God? When you love the world, you have the mindset of the world, you're thinking like the world thinks, you're doing what the world says, boy, you don't have time for God. Can I tell you something? You are a friend of the world and you are a hater of God. I'm not saying it. God is. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. God knew his thoughts that he had for the children of Israel. Thoughts of peace and joy and blessing. That's what he wanted for them. But when they made that choice to start following these false gods, start doing what the world does, start living the way the world did in the sensual practices and, and all that type of stuff, they became the enemy of God. God's over here. There's the break. I'm looking for a man that will stand and pray for these people back here, that will work with these people back here, that will make that wall and, and strong and that these people would, would listen to the, to the Word and the truth of God. He says, I'm looking for a man, somebody, who would be willing to sacrifice their life for that. He said, and I found no one. There's another portion of Scripture. It says, I found that there was no one who cared for my soul. Folks, may I share with you today, in your home, some of us have homes, we have breaches in the wall. With our children and our, our mate, our, our husband, our wife, or whatever, there's a breach, there's a hole, there's a crack right there. And you know, we are just so busy living our life and doing our thing. God says, I'm looking for a man, I'm looking for a woman who's going to stand there and pray. A, a person who's willing to sacrifice and give their life for those that are behind this wall. Lord, that they would, that they would love you and love the things of you. But you know what? It starts with you to stand in that gap. Because you've got to love him. Oh, yeah, we're religious. We come to church. Can I tell you something? You're not standing in the gap until you're praying and you're seeking God's face. And you're willing to say, you know what? There's some things in our house. It's not right. Hey, it's time for us to stop it now. You know what happens? We just let the enemy come in. We become like the world. And can I tell you something? When the world's all done with your homes and our homes, we're seeing it. Our homes are crumbling. Children are just... What's going on? Mom and dad, they don't even know who's, which mom, which dad. Our homes are crumbling. Our nation's only going to be as strong as our homes. Well, you know what, Pastor? I'm just so busy. I've got all these, these things in my home. You know, I don't have time to rear my children. Can I tell you something? Nobody's going to rear your children for God like you are, Mama. God's plan was for Mama to stay at home. 
But now we've got this mindset, I just need to have things. Can I tell you, when you, everything's all said and done, and your children are wandering astray and have no desire for the things of God, come back and look who was willing to stand in the gap. Nobody did. Nobody did in this time when Ezekiel was sharing what God said. I'm looking for somebody. You know what? In Stevensville, there's a need for somebody to stand in the gap. Hey, there's people that are lost and dying. Oh, yeah, you know, I got my friends, and you know, I got my work. And I'm got my... Can I tell you something? These people are on their way to hell without Jesus Christ. Who's going to care enough to go out in the hedges and highways and tell them about Jesus? Well, somebody should go. Yeah, what about you? Are you one of those people? You say, well, pastor, I'm doing that. Then I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those that are not doing that and who have been living a life to let somebody else have the conviction of what's right and, and true. It's time for us to stand up and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to be that one. It means I'm going to have to sacrifice my time. I'm going to have to sacrifice my goals, my desires to hedge them up. Oh, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm teaching a science school class. Yeah. Well, what? So we got R4 and no more? We're seeing young people. I was out yesterday. There was young people, children all over the place that should be won to Christ and brought to church. Well, you know what, Pastor? So, well, you know, it's so busy just, just going to these, just to make sure these, these four come to my science school class. Why not ask God to give us a reach in an area where we have not reached before. I think we got the mind, mindset, it's our four no more. Don't worry about it. We got our four, it's, it's good enough. No, it's not. It's not. Who's going to reach these families? Well, who cares? Well, hopefully Galilee Baptist Church. I don't see a lot of other churches going out and trying to win people to Christ. I don't know what they do. We've got enough right here. Take care of right here. In Ezekiel's day, God found none who were willing to hedge up and stand in the gap. There are those who say, you know, I'll stand in the gap, but when the hours get long, they give up. But when the battle becomes intense, they give in to their flesh and they allow the enemy to come, come through. They begin to compromise, first a little here and there, and then after a while, everything goes, is up for grabs. There are those who see others enjoying the pleasures of this world and they become envious and forsake their post. I think of Demas, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.10, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. There's a lot of Christians that are missing in action. Question, will you be the one who will answer the Lord's call to build a hedge and to stand in the gap like Isaiah did? Need somebody standing in the gap. Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Like Jesus, he says, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Jesus came not to do his own will, but the will of his Father. Folks, I'm here today to tell you, plead with you. God needs people to stand in the gap. Say, somebody should. Yep, should be you. But you know what? Nobody can decide that for you 
but you? What if we all stood in the gap? You say, well, I'm at church. Well, that's good. It's nice. You're in, the, you're in the Lord's house where you should be. But that doesn't mean you're standing in the gap. You stand in the gap when you, as we've talked about, start putting the Lord first. You start praying. You start praying for others other than yourself and all the things that you've got and want. Start praying for souls of people that need to be saved. People's lives to be changed. Start living the life so that others can see that there's a difference in being a Christian. What difference is there if we're living like the world? We are the friend of the world when we live that way. And we really, as we said, are the enemy of God. How about you? I don't want to be the enemy of God. That's not a good place to be. I pray that you're that man or that woman, that young person that will stand in the gap for the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for your word, which gives us such clear indication of the truth. Lord, I pray for these dear folk that are here today. You know their hearts and their burdens on their life. And Lord, you know what you want in their life and for their life. And you know that where they are with you, they can't hide from you. They can't they can't give a false reading of, they may say things with their lips, but you see the heart. And Lord, I pray for these that are here today. I pray that God, if they've not been standing in the gap for their home, for this church, for this community, I pray that today would be a day that would stir their heart. Lord, they would have a passion to stand and, and to do that's right folk that have children at home or their grandchildren. Lord, trying to see them do right. Father, I pray for those that are standing, trying to stand in the gap. God, I pray that you give them courage and strength. And Lord, don't let them give up. Help them to be courageous in the battle. It's worth it all. We don't want to see just two legs and piece of an ear. That's not enough. We need to stand. With everyone, every eye, head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you this morning, are you standing in the gap today? Perhaps the Spirit of God's been speaking to you and say, you know what? I've been kind of letting the world kind of run through my, through my life, run through my family. I haven't been where I should be, and God's been speaking to me today. That Sunday school class, oh yeah, it's been just a couple, but you know what? There's other children around that I know I can see. I need to step out and go to their home and talk to them and see if I can get them to come and hear the word of God. And There's a, my neighbors that, that need to hear the gospel. I need to step out of my comfort zone and, and get out of myself and see if they would be willing to listen and come. God's been speaking to you today. Say, Pastor, I want to be that one. If you're like that today and God's been speaking to your heart, would you... And you'd like me to pray for you. I, I'm not forcing anybody. If you'd like prayer to be able to do God's will, and God's been speaking to you, would you slip your hand up? Yes, I see that hand and that hand over there. and Back there in the back over here to my right. Amen. Your folks may share with you today. God wants you to be. He wants you to be one who's willing to stand in the gap. It'll take courage. Guarantee it. You won't do it easily. The devil doesn't want people to walk with God. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I don't even know God. 
as my Savior. I know about him. I know a few things. Uh, I've gone to church several times, and I've known a little bit about him. The only way you can know God is to have Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus was God's son, the Bible tells us. He died on the cross for you. He was buried and rose again the third day. He wants you to live a new life, a life that's empowered by him, a life that's a direction different from where you are right now. To give up your old life, which the Bible says is corrupt, and follow Jesus and do what Jesus says for the rest of your life. If you're willing to do that today, you can ask Jesus to be your Savior and just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe what the Bible says is true, and I want Jesus to come into my life and save me today. I want to follow him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I want to follow Jesus today.